picking up where we left, well, I suppose where we left off two weeks ago. Um, last week with our family service, and uh, Jackie pulled us back a wee bit, back into Ephesians 2, verse 10 in particular, um, which was good, but I'm going to just pick up where Amy left us off uh, at the end of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the first 13 verses, and... Uh, And I'll, I'll I'll do that now. But just to say, if um, sometimes I can, we can end up spending so long uh, backtracking to let you know where we've been, and uh, we'll we'll do that as we go along. But I don't wanna don't wanna take up too much time, and we've covered a lot of distance, covered a lot of ground over the last number of weeks. Um, and so I would encourage you if uh, this is grabbing your attention in any way, or you're convinced that what we're saying is right and important, then uh, go on um, listen to SoundCloud or whatever it is that you listen to, listen back to your sermons. Um, Amy did an incredible job last last week. Uh, usually whenever we're doing out the schedule, I always try to have somebody else speak the week after Amy. I never like speaking after the week after Amy's spoken. Um, but anyway, here we are. Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 13. I think it'll come up behind me. Um, but just in case you don't believe me, you can follow along in your Bible or your app, whatever it is. Um, verse 1, Paul, or for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden, hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Let me pray. Father, uh, stunning words. Um, 
Thank you for thank you for what Paul has penned here. This is remarkable insight. This is remarkable revelation. We get to listen in and hear your intent from the very beginning for the church. Who we would be and what we would look like and how we would be formed. And Thank you for this letter. Thank you that it for it, it, its its foundation for us. Thank you that this is firm ground for us to stand on. And I pray that we would f- that we would sense that this morning. We just sense as we go through this that we're on uh, that we can put our feet on firm, solid ground. So God, I pray you would just give us give us the gift of of insight and discernment this morning. I just ask that the, the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, God, and, and for us all, would be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. And so those that have ears to hear, let us hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just so, as I'm, I'm reading through those verses again this morning, and I'm, have a rough idea where we're going and where I want to go and where I've intended to go this week. And but then you start reading through the verses again, and you're like, "Oh man, I, I could we could just we could spend an hour in one of these verses alone. We could spend we could spend the whole morning talking about verse twelve there in Him and through faith in Him we may approach Him with freedom and with confidence. Um, but let's say uh, let's try to stick to to. to uh, Stick to the script. Is that a good thing or not? Um, let's see. Uh, the first, those first few verses um, of chapter three uh, are, are incredibly interesting, and almost it almost feels difficult to try and articulate or try and almost like summarize what Paul is saying here, because he's speaking of he is speaking so much of mystery, but he's also speaking. To uh, he's also speaking to something that I am not sure we fully get our heads around. The animosity, the 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 difficulty, the <laughs> the relational distance, whatever whatever way you want to put it between Jew and Gentile, it was so strong, it was so significant that I don't know if we we hear it the same way as. The people in Ephesus would have heard it when Paul was saying, these people that you despise, these people that you wanted nothing to do with, do you want to know what? They are now sharers of your inheritance. Like, you imagine that? Like, and it's, and it's maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a stupid analogy to, to, to use, but I think of, I don't know what my inheritance is going to look like. Um, Dad's not here. He's way, he's way on a cruise, so I think my inheritance is going to be pretty good. But anyway, um, the I don't know. I spend the last right off, man. Oh, this changes everything. Scrap that. That's, I, need to, I need to rethink some stuff. But the thought of the thought of somebody that that I was like hostile towards, or someone that was almost viewed as my enemy, the thought of one day my dad turning around to me and says, "Son, but you are you're now going to have you're now sharing your inheritance with them." They are now welcomed in to, to share in your inheritance. 
they are now sharers of the same promise that I have given to you. It's really big. It's a really big deal. It might be. It's probably a weak analogy to compare to how how uh, put out how how much of a scandal this would have been to um, to the to Israel. Whenever Paul was telling them this mystery, this mystery was given to me that the, that through the gospel Gentiles are now heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise. It's beautiful language, but it would have been difficult to hear. Fellow members of the one body. Fellow sharers of the promise in Jesus. And if you were to back up slightly, you go to verse 1. For this, Paul starts off chapter 3, for this reason. We could go back a wee bit and, 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 and go where we went three weeks ago when we talked about, about how we've been saved by sheer grace. It's grace or it's nothing. We've been saved by sheer grace. And Paul, Paul, Paul backs that up again in verse 7. He's saying this is, this is, this, this is gift of God's grace. Now, Paul would never have come up with this if it, wasn't, if it wasn't revelation from God. He's acknowledging that we can only do this in Jesus. It's given to me through the working of his power. So he's reminding his listeners, those that are now fellow members and fellow sharers, this is difficult, but we need to be reminded this is gift, this is grace. It is grace for you and it is grace for them. We are all participants of this gift of grace. We are all uh, have this opportunity to have it backed up with the power, power of Jesus. And as I was just reflecting on that and trying to trying to get into the trying to get into the mindset of how this was being heard by Israel, how this was being heard by by the church in Ephesus, um, I reflected again on what Amy brought us through last week. Really interesting to think as as Amy talked about unity that unity isn't just spending time with people that you like or that you get on with or are the same as you. That's not what unity is. If you've been told that, that's, that's wrong. And I love what Amy said, that um, actually the, the Zacchaeuses, we need the Zacchaeuses in, in church. We need the rich young rulers in our church. We need it because that's what unity is. If we want to talk about peace, peace doesn't exist between those who, who, uh, who think, already think the same thing or who look the same way or are lined up on all of the, exactly the same things. Peace exists between those who differ. And I think in some ways Paul is, is saying this, the same thing over and over again, trying to get their attention, trying to convince them that of this mystery, of this revelation that has been given to him. Mystery, revelation that had been hidden for centuries and centuries and centuries and now is being made known. Can only do it in Jesus. Amy reminded us again last week, we are still becoming. That's why I always go back every so often, whenever any time I think I've got it all together, I go back to 1 Corinthians 8, remind myself of what Paul said. Anytime you think you know it all, you, you, you don't. <laughs> like he says a bit stronger than that. You think that knowledge, it's knowledge that strengthens the church. It's not, it's love. 
It's laying down your life for for another. It's laying down yourself for the sake of the other. It's interesting what Paul does here. He doesn't do it all that often, especially in this letter. There's a couple of moments here. Um, in some ways, maybe he's, he's put, painted a bit of a, uh, a big picture for us of, of the gospel and of grace and, and, and of the church. And then he makes, it, he makes it personal. He says, verse 1, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, and just so you know, I think we, we, we pointed this out right at the beginning. Paul is writing this letter from, um, from prison. He's, he's in prison here. Which is good to have in your mind every time you go to this letter. Especially in moments in verse 12 where he says, In him, in him we can approach him with freedom and confidence. Here's the, Paul writing this to people who are... Outside of the prison, he's in the prison and he's saying, that, that, do you want to know where you can find freedom? It's whenever you approach God in faith and through faith. Remarkable whenever we hold some of those, uh, hold some of those that, that thought in mind as we engage with what Paul is saying here. He makes it personal again in verse 8. There's a low am less. This suits us here in Northern Ireland, doesn't it? That's self-deprecation. I'm less than all of God's people. But there's something about what Paul is doing here that he is making it personal. But he's doing it in a way, I think, that, it, that he's still showing us that it's not about him. In resurrection life, the, light, the resurrection life we've been invited into because of the gospel, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We are now raised with him. We are now seated with him in the heavenly places. Resurrection life, it's mostly not about us. It's about God, and that seems really obvious to say, but it's about him, and to some degree, it's, it's about others. And Paul does that. He makes it really personal. He says, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And then says, for the sake of you. He, makes it, he, may, he does make it personal, but he does it in a way that shows that this resurrection life is mostly not about us. It's, it's all about God, and, inevit- and if it's all about God, he, then it's also, also about others. Three verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. This is, this is um, the thought of trying to get my head around this to trying to communicate it is really difficult because his intent, Paul is talking about something incredibly deep and rich here. His intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This feels like such a pivotal verse. It feels like such a pivotal verse in this letter, but it almost feels like such a pivotal verse. <laughs> for those of us that are part of the church, for those of us that are following Jesus, this faith is pivotal because we're, we're, we're getting, if we, believe, if we believe Paul, if Paul's right, he's telling us what the intent of God has been from the very beginning. The thing that, is, that, is, that has been kept away for centuries and centuries that has now been made known, this feels like it is really pivotal. Through the church, this, the manifold, the multifaceted, multi-diverse wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
the language, this is secret plan. Hidden from the start. Multifaceted wisdom made known through the church. And it feels like I haven't done this in a while. But they're the Greek word. There, David's listening. David likes it. The Greek word for multifaceted here, the Greek word for manifold. And if nothing else, it's just a fun word to say. Polypoikolos. Fun to say, isn't it? Polypoikolos is the Greek, the original for what, uh, for what is uh, being talked about here is manifold wisdom. And the poly means many in number. The poikolos means many, many diverse manifestations. He's convincing them that all of these, all these Gentiles and all of these others, and for us, for us, it's for us. This isn't the same. For this isn't the same issue. But there will be those that I think, if you're going to be really honest, if you're willing to be really honest, there is those within our society, within our communities, that you find it difficult not to look and say, think of them as other. And so you're not off the hook because the Jew and the Gentile thing isn't the same thing that we're facing now. But it's the same principle. It's the same thing. There's those that you look on and view as others that we end up missing the diversity. We end up missing out on the multifaceted, um, many diverse manifestations of the wisdom of God being made known through the church. It's marked by a variety of colors. I'm struck again, and I'm, uh, and I'm, Hope this makes sense. I'm just again reminded of what Amy said that around unity, and I know she was quoting from Rick, but but that idea of unity, unity is already there. We think that we have to create it. It's already there. We can certainly make a mess of it, but it's already there. And I just wonder, I'm reflecting on the spot here, but I wonder if that's the same thing for the church because in verse 11 we're told he has already accomplished it. The church. The church, the manifold wisdom of God has been made known to rulers and authorities according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished. Been accomplished. And so church, in the same way that unity is already there, the church that's already there, been created in Christ for us to grow up in Christ. And just like unity, it's there, it's already been, it's already, it's already there, but we can certainly make Make a mess of it. Don't mind just flicking back to Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. It says again that the first time that Paul references the church is, uh, is here. Verse 22 of chapter 1. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. And so I think that is a really important metaphor. And I know that we've heard this metaphor before, that we are the, we are the body. Christ is the head over the church. We, the church, are his body. And I want to I highlight that because I think so many of our misunderstandings 
so many of the things that we point out where the church has gone wrong, and it has. But so much of our misunderstandings come when whenever we sever head and body, when we sever Jesus and the church, and then we study and discuss them in isolation. We study them and discuss them separately. And we can't, we can't do that. If we take the metaphor of the body seriously, they can't be severed. They can't be severed and then studied in isolation. And to go back a wee bit to where we, I think we've mentioned this before, being a Christian is not an add-on. Sometimes, sometimes we've, we've maybe heard some evangelical presentations where it's almost like, you, if, like you've, you've got your job, you've got your family, all you need now to add on to that, to complete your life is Jesus. Not right. We've missed it. Being a Christian, it's not an add-on. You just don't tack it on to improve or complete your life. And I think likewise, I think I want to say the same for the church. The church is not an add-on to being a Christian. And so in the same way, being a, being a Christian is not something you add on to complete your life. Being part of the church, the church is not just an add-on or an optional extra uh, to being a Christian. The church is a, the, is a creation of Christ for growing up in Christ. And that's, that's what we want to keep reverting back to over this, or engaging with this letter. What does it look like to mature and grow up and deepen our roots? The church is a creation of Christ for growing up in Christ. This multifaceted wisdom of God being made known through the church seen it referenced as the intricately embroidered pattern in a tapestry with all the, all the different threads, all the different colors coming together to, to form something beautiful. And that's what, that's what the creation of Christ is, a community in which men, women, and children from every race and every color from every social background and every cultural background and every political persuasion are all come together in glad worship to the one true God. This is, what's, this is what it looks, this is what the creation of Christ looks like when men and women and children from all of those race, color, creeds, social, cultural backgrounds come together in glad worship to the one true God. And I know you could, we could say more than that, but in, in, in maybe in its most simple form, this is the church that God gives us. This is the real church. And Paul's been at this, I think, from the beginning of his letter. This is the real church. And, and part of me wants, is, is challenged, are we going to receive what he gives us? Or are we going to make it up on our own? Are we going to make up our own thing based on our own preferences, our own bias, or are we going to be really challenged by what Paul is is saying here? And I know I don't I I do not feel qualified to even begin to think of what 
it looks like for that manifold wisdom to be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And saying that, let's give it a go for a minute. Made known, and in some ways it's because, it's like, is it just talking about the angels? Is it talking about, is it talking exclusively about the heavenly realms? Because Paul is already, he's already touched on this language before. In verse 2 of chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And that feels something different. But again in verse 20, the power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And then if just to, well, just to take note, don't have to follow me here, but 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6 says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so I, I, I know that all of that seems, that just does seem mystery. Like what, who is, what is, be, who is this being made known to? The ruler of the kingdom of the air? The rulers and those within authority below, the, just the angelic above. In some ways, we, we, don't, we don't know for sure. But where I wanted to take it and where I want to close is simply by suggesting that when the church follows the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God, I think, is revealed most beautifully and most perfectly in the cross. Paul himself has already said to the church in Corinth, I, I want to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. The wisdom of God is revealed in the cross. And so the wisdom of God is revealed in this sacrificial, other-centered, enemy loving way of Jesus. And when the church lives in such a way, the manifold wisdom of God is just on display everywhere. And so I'm not fully sure where around this language of the heavenly rulers or the heavenly the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. But I do want to, I do want to bank on this. I think that when the church, when we live out the wisdom of God, the sacrificial, other-centered, enemy-loving way of Jesus, everyone, everything notices in heaven or on earth. And so, 
Amy's going to put up a couple of pictures there. So these are, this is part of the body of Christ. This is our brothers and sisters on the streets of Ukraine over the last 48 hours on their knees. They continue to lay down their lives. They continue to follow the sacrificial, other-centered, enemy-loving way of Jesus. And you'll see one of them pictures there. It's, it's been all over CNN. It's been on BBC. Everyone takes notice. Everything takes notice in the church. Lives out the wisdom of God. And so let me, let, me, let me quote from some church leaders in Ukraine when they've asked, what, how can we pray? One man asked, please pray for disciple-making in the country, safety for our people, and generosity in the midst of war. Another was asked the same question. Many in Ukraine are showing resilience. Our prayer today is that God's will spreads on earth as it is in heaven. I encourage my staff and other Christian leaders that the mission stays the same, even if we have to change geography. Another pastor who is 18 miles northwest of Kiev, who has decided to stay. When this is over, The citizens of Kiev will remember how Christians have responded in their time of need. We will shelter the weak, we'll serve the suffering, and we'll mend the broken. And as we do, we offer the unshakable hope of Christ and his gospel. As I read that over the weekend, uh, I'm convinced that that is what the manifold wisdom of God looks like. I think that's what the manifold wisdom of God, how it's displayed in a way that it grabs the attention of everyone and everything. And Paul has been getting the attention of the, of, of the people in Ephesus, and I'm convinced he's getting the attention of us today when, our, when we're, we've been brought up in such a way that we will point and identify and exclude the other. Paul is trying to get us so far away from that. Because he's experienced revelation, he's experienced mystery. But that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is laying down your life, sacrificing yourself for the sake of others. And everything notices. Everyone notices whether it's in heaven or on earth. And I just want to read this verse from the message. Ephesians 3 verse 10 in the message says this. Through followers of Jesus like yourselves, 
gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about, even among the angels. And so as we continue to talk about maturing and growing up in Christ, you need to know, and, I, and I, I'd love to know the stories of these men, but I can guarantee you that that hasn't happened overnight. Maturing, growing up, deepening roots, it cannot be hurried. And unfortunately, it cannot be programmed. Maturity, it cannot be hurried, programmed, or it cannot be tinkered with. Growing up in Christ, I was uh, in, the, in the primary school this week, and the wee boy was telling me about the worst part of his week was the, the growing pains in his leg. Tell me how sore it was, difficult to sleep, and just reminded that that's, like, that's the truth, isn't it? Like, there's, no, there's no growing up without pain. They're growing up without feeling hurt. And that's, that's what Paul also experienced. He is modeling that for the church. And he says, verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. He is modeling that for the church. He is modeling mature, growing up, deep faith. And, the, and they can't grow, you can't mature without pain and hurt. And Paul is modeling that beautifully. And I want to commend the church in Ukraine this morning because I think that they are modeling it equally. They lay down their lives for the sake of the others. So, Father, thank you for your word. God, I just pray you would help us to continue to engage and wrestle. God, we, we so want to know your heart. So want to know what you're, what you're calling us to. As we gather even this evening just to pray for this community and to see how we can continue to, to, to lay down our lives for the sake of the other and, and following after the way of Jesus, would you inspire and enlighten and embolden us through the gospel. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for what has been accomplished in and through Jesus. My God, I just pray that you would... Help us, God, just not, not, to, not to mess that up, what you've already established, what you've already accomplished. So God, I thank you for the church. I thank you for what it means to be part of the church, what it means to be part of this church, what it means to be part of the worldwide church. Just celebrate that and thank you for it. In Jesus' name.